Welcome one and all as we close out the week here at the Darren Report with me, John Arilla and host of the Happy Half Hour, Brett Ehrlich. How are you doing? I am so happy to be here, John. John, before the show started, was talking about how he's so pumped up. He's so excited. He's got all the energy in the world, and he is about to unleash it on all of you. So if you've ever been to a Gallagher concert, you know what that's like. Grab your ponchos, start <laughs> laughing when he just starts talking because you know Brett, it's going to be fun. These these cultural references are too new for me. I'm an old man. You got to <laughs> give me something I know about. Most of the audience is like, <laughs> but anyway, um, thank you. We've got tarps. Okay, your wife is in the chat and has a tarp. Um, but anyway, uh, no, I have energy, and you know why I have energy? Because the news is energizing. Okay, we're expecting big news today. Okay, on the civil fraud trial, a verdict perhaps for Donald Trump. We're expecting it, and I would really, really like it to happen soon. Because this is when we're live. We won't be live later. So, you know, Angron, if you could just get with it. But we'll be talking about that in just a little bit, as well as, oh, dear God, what happened in Georgia with the Fonnie Willis testimony, which the second day of that's now going on right now. We'll be discussing that. A really hard hitting new ad against Donald Trump released by a veterans organization. That's a lot of fun and a whole lot more besides. Ron DeSantis getting clowned down in Florida, you know, that's gonna be fun. And that's just in the first hour coming up in the aftermath. We will, of course, be throwing away our garbage people of the week. And I've got a particularly deranged one. Oh, and then we have video of Marjorie Green trying to talk science. So you know that's gonna be fun too. So a lot to look forward to. If you're on a platform where it makes sense to do so, please hit the like button. Share the stream. You can send us comments, tweets, super chats. I might even remember today during our social breaks to give out a Blue Apron gift card, something I haven't remembered in a year or two. But anyway, all that to come. Brett, are you ready to do this thing? Whether I am or not, you've been more than fair. That also energizes me. And with that in mind, let's proceed. If I could file the appeal now, I would. You know, it, there's no surprises coming here. It's uh, much of the same that we've seen in New York, and uh, I'll be loud and booming right after we get the decision. I mean, I'm not. Uh, I don't have high hopes. I I do believe that there is some, you know. Uh, ethics left. I hope that Judge Ngoran sees through this, but quite honestly, I, I've seen it time and time again. I've been on weeks and weeks and weeks of trial in New York, and the corruption runs deep. The uh, Trump derangement syndrome, frankly, runs even deeper, and they can't see straight. They can't apply law to fact. There was absolutely no laws broken. People made money. Their statements of financial conditions were undervalued, but they'll figure out a way, a loophole, even using a consumer 18, fraud claim 18, and not giving us a jury. There, Alina Haba not having a lot of hopes for Donald Trump in the civil fraud trial. She does not have a lot of hopes or a lot of experience or a lot of skill in the legal area. She is out of her depth and Donald Trump soon might be out of money as a result of choosing her to represent him in some of these cases. But in any event, we do expect that that verdict is gonna be coming today and it looks like it's gonna be bad. The only question really is how bad? And the answer could be really, really, really bad. I mean. He owes almost $100 million already to E. Jean Carroll. That could be small potatoes compared to what he ends up getting fined. People are talking about the potential end of the Trump organization as a business entity, certainly at least in New York. And so with all that in mind, here is her trying to make the case for how Donald Trump has himself helped New York. 
It is beyond corrupt and I'm telling you there was absolutely not only was there not evidence, there was evidence to the contrary. The evidence showed that the Trump Organization helped the city of New York, employs thousands of people, pays hundreds of millions in employment taxes. And now they're gonna push them out of a state that he helped build because politics. It's mm-hmm. so sad, Eric, it's a really sad part of our country. And it's, it's really made me disappointed in my bar. Yeah, so if you are not a lawyer, which she barely is, maybe what she said there makes sense, Alina Haba. But um, they're not pushing him out for politics. Maybe there's some politics in there. I doubt many of the people involved in this case like him. But they're getting a little bit of an assist from the fact that his organization under his direction has routinely lied about money. Lied when it would benefit them in a variety of different ways. And the thing about the law, and I again, didn't go to law school, but I have watched most of Suits, is that Uh, Paying employment taxes or employing people doesn't mean you get to just break the law. It's not like that balance is out or something. That's not actually how it works. That's not a good legal defense, which is why she is so depressed this morning. So we have more, including a reaction from Donald Trump. Brett, what do you make of this? Well, Alina, I hate to break it to you using some of my mentor Ben Shapiro's terms, but Hmm. tax don't care about your feelings. (laughs) You're very angry, I understand that. You've embarrassed yourself in situations where you do things like forget to ask for a jury trial, you moron. (laughs) Her gripe is gonna be about how much money he pays because they already know and have concluded that he has committed this fraud. It's just how much we want to punish him for it. And her claim that Donald Trump built up this great stuff in New York City, I've got a, a workshop you need to attend. It's the children's television workshop because there are multiple Sesame Street bits from back in the day with a character named Donald Grump. And even back in the 80s, they knew Donald Trump was taking people's homes away and building horrible condo complexes that made people either go bankrupt or go homeless or both. Like this is Donald Trump's reputation. She's trying to deny it. And then at the end of the day, all these Trump people just want you to what? Feel bad for the billionaire who cheated his taxes, even though if you cheat your taxes, you go bankrupt? Yeah. They want a double standard. They can't have it. 100%. Like, again, I hate talking about anything having to do with consistency or hypocrisy because we already know one of the foundational, like, laws of physics of our political world is that they do not have principles. They have positions that they take for right now. And if that's not a good position to be in later, we're just going to switch it. But the idea that, yeah, okay, maybe crimes were committed, but we did other good stuff. So have you ever seen them apply that to a Democrat? They do that, oh, you know, maybe Biden got $5 million from Ukraine, which he didn't. We'll be talking about that later in the show. But, but you know, he served his country as a senator for literally decades. I guess it's all even. And it would be one thing for this sort of like, just always let the rich and powerful in society get away with whatever they want position to be held, I don't know about like the Democrats or something, but supposedly the Republicans are critics of the elites in society. They don't like entrenched power and all that. And yet whenever the choice is presented to them to stand with the powerful, well-connected and rich or against them, it's weird, they just always end up with the wealthy. It's so weird how that works out. 
But speaking of unfortunately wealthy, at least as of right now, maybe not later today, but we'll find out. Here's what Donald Trump had to say on the day of his perhaps financial judgment day. It has been leaked all over the place like a Russian hotel room to the fake news media, probably by the corrupt judge and or attorney general, that a decision on the never used before consumer fraud statute that has been illegally weaponized against me will be released on Friday. Judge Engrant wrongfully ruled against me before the trial even started, said that Mar-a-Lago was only worth 18 million. Bear in mind, Trump says it's worth a hundred times that, which would literally, I think, make it one of the most valuable buildings on the planet. Blah, 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 dark, sad day, blah, blah, no damages, no victims, only success, witch hunt. So, you know, like the same non defense as always. And that sort of you know, argumentation on social media obviously did not save him. With Eugene Carroll, either of the times, I, it has nothing to do with the allegations against him, so it cannot be a defense against them. And uh, yeah, so it looks like it's probably going to be tough for him. Remember, they they've asked for three hundred and seventy million dollars uh, as a penalty against him. So you might think, well, maybe that's the upper limit. And sure, I mean that seems reasonable. But bear in mind. Aging Carroll did not ask for $83.3 million. She asked for a small fraction of that. It's a different sort of thing. That said, it could end up being really bad for him. And I'll also throw out before I get your thoughts, Brett, um, that he's already had this week a little bit of bad uh, legal dues in that Eileen Cannon, who we have criticized in multiple instances for seeming to be biased towards Donald Trump. He, after all, did give her the position, has denied his motion to delay deadlines in the uh, stolen or allegedly stolen um, classified documents case. And so that is still on track. Doesn't mean that it won't be delayed later, but a couple of bit different hits to, uh, coming to him legally. Brett, what do you make of all that? I mean, that's what it comes down to is even his seeming allies, the people who are not Democrats, who didn't just materialize because they have some kind of political ambition toward that is contrary to Donald Trump's own political ambition. Like they're still saying, nobody, you're wrong. Like that's the kind of America you should be happy about. The one that seems to stand up despite uh, the possibility of corrupt intent. Like Donald, the way that he's accusing Democrats, by that logic, his judge should be nicer to him. That's not what's happening. He keeps losing all the cases. He seems to be lying about everything. And so he's gonna complain. The thing to me that's always shocking is that folks say Donald Trump's such a, a winner, such a positive or such a, a, a strong man, but all he does is commit crimes, get caught, it seems, and then complain about it like he's working the refs on Twitter. Yeah, and look, it's in a time when he is starting to have some legal ramifications, it, it I think buttresses the argument we're making right now that that's a bad strategy. But I sort of get on some level why he does it because not really providing any evidence that he hasn't broken the law. But meanwhile, just trying to win over his base has generally worked for him. He's remained popular despite all of the evidence of criminality. Um, it's worked for him for a very long time. It just might not be working anymore. Yeah, really quick, like people bringing the case can be politically motivated. All these district attorneys or prosecutors that are bringing the case, a lot of them are elected and are partisan. So bringing the case in many situations, 
can be partisan, can be politically motivated, and that's bad. Mm -hmm. But Donald Trump losing those cases, that's that that nullifies whether bringing the suit was good or bad because the law decided that he was in the wrong. So all of those arguments go out of the window every time he loses a case. Yeah, if you accept the legal system. But if you believe that it only is legit when it rules in favor of Donald Trump, then then perhaps not. Yeah. Um, and with so much being contingent on, uh, you know, whether it helps or hurts Donald Trump for tens of millions of Americans, I don't know. That's that that ties into his defense. We need to turn to a different ongoing legal kerfuffle. Some of the reactions to Fannie Willis's testimony yesterday down in Georgia are deranged and deserve to be mocked. As an example, chosen purely at random, here's Marjorie Green who had this to say. Fannie just advised that you should have six months of expenses and cash at your house at all times. Home invasions in Fulton County are about to skyrocket and Fannie won't prosecute because she's only trying to get Trump. So like this is her like trying to take something that was discussed during the testimony and twist it so that she can make the stupid point that she wants to make. But it's utterly not what was actually discussed. So we'll return to what she said to show you multiple other ways that she's wrong there. But Willis said, I always have cash at the house. That's been all my life. If you're a woman and you go on a date with a man, you better have $200 in your pocket. So if that man acts up, you can go where you want to go. It was never that serious. We're not talking about $20,000 in cash. All she said in terms of the six months was that her father said that you should have six months of cash at her house. She never said that she did. In fact, she said that she didn't. But that's obviously lost on Marjorie Green because Marjorie Green has a higher goal here. It's to say, okay, I want this to be about how there's other crimes. You know how Trump says, like, they're prosecuting me in New York. Meanwhile, there's murder. Why aren't they on that? And so she can't even do the Trump thing. She's like, well, if everybody has six months of cash in their house, then people will break in. And in this hypothetical future that I just made up, she wouldn't prosecute them because she's focused on Trump. Burned. What are you talking about, man? Like there, there are things that if you want to criticize her testimony or the argument that she and special counsel Wade have put forward, if you want to criticize that, you can do that. Lots of people have been doing that over the last day. But she, as always, can be relied on to come up with the dumbest, most dishonest version of that criticism. What do you think? This is my favorite Marjorie Taylor Greene quote. It's so weird. It's not the through line. You just kind of have to applaud it at a certain point because it's like <laughs> it's so even stupid. the people reading it don't get it. I think the people reading it would be like, uh, I think she wants me to rob Fonnie Willis. <laughs> like that's yeah. another thing. It's like if anyone did anything like this on the other side, she'd be up in arms. But she's just like, she's also revealing that she like, is a criminal. She has like criminal intents. She's like, this is what I do. It's like she mm -hmm. just told on herself. I love it. It's so dumb. It's like the second she hears there might be money there, she thinks about how she can get it or whatever. Like, 
you're already getting like $170,000 effectively free right now by working in Congress. Is that not enough for you at this point? But anyway, the larger point that she is trying and mostly failing to make is that Funny Willis did something wrong or is alleged to have done something wrong. That's being adjudicated right now. And so it doesn't matter what Donald Trump did in Georgia or the 18 other people who were indicted there. And I just want to briefly remind you that what's being alleged is they tried to steal the electoral votes of Georgia. They failed to win Georgia and they decided screw the people of Georgia, screw Marjorie Greene's constituents. Their voice should not be heard. Instead, we're just gonna give the votes to Donald Trump. And that came in a variety of different forms. Many of the people that were indicted there are were being indicted because of the fake electors scheme, where they were like, well, those electors are doing their job, so we don't like them. We're just gonna come up with some stooges, some lackeys that'll say that we won. And then it, you know, there's versions of it that are even more direct, like Donald Trump literally calling up the Secretary of State of Georgia and being like, find me exactly as many as votes as I need plus one. And so those are the stakes. But she wants you to think, well, if Fonnie Willis is a bad person, then it doesn't matter that a president tried to overturn the results of a state election. And Donald Trump seems to agree because he, of course, weighed in on it as well. He has literally nothing else going on in his life, so he's watching all this. And he says, does anybody really believe that Fannie Willis paid cash to her lover whenever they took expensive trips together? Really, where did she get the cash? I mean, really, I've never had to go to the bank. I don't know where it comes from. Pretty weak questioning. I guess they don't want to insult her. No way she can explain any of this corruption away. Okay, so both lover and trips are in quotation marks. I don't know what that means. Like, I get that he thinks quotation marks are bold. So I guess he's saying lover, he wants that to be bolded. But is he questioning whether they were trips? Like, they were, that's not what we're debating. We're debating whether it was a corrupt use of money to go on the trips, not whether they were trips. They were definitely trips, you lunatic. But anyway, he thinks, like Marjorie Green, that if Fonnie Willis is found to have been corrupt for hiring Wade or whatever, then he gets off the hook. And the weird thing is that that might actually be the result because the system, as always, is set up in a way that you just get a million get out of jail free cards. If Fonnie Willis slept with a guy when in a time when she shouldn't have and money changed hand, then I guess it doesn't matter that he tried to steal Georgia. That makes sense to these people. What do you think? Listen, Bonnie Willis does not make good decisions. I think anyone who watched her testimony is like, she looked like I would look during a testimony if I was mad. Like, you need to not do that. You need to probably not go up when called, but if you're subpoenaed, whatever, you have to comply. She goes up and she she's like very witchy, basically. She's upset. She's talking when she shouldn't talk. And by that, I mean she's oversharing information that wasn't solicited. It, she yeah. just doesn't, she doesn't got it, you know? Um, that's one thing. She shouldn't have hired her boyfriend. What are you doing? You idiot. Like, you, well, the, the allegation is that she became he became her boyfriend. Well, she is saying he became her boyfriend after he had been hired, which is slightly different. You shouldn't date in the office. You shouldn't do that. Yeah, I, that I is agree. really, really dumb in this scenario in a world. Where Bill Cosby roams the streets because a DA once accidentally promised he wouldn't go to jail in the future. 
And even though there's evidence he did the bad thing, he is not in jail for the bad thing. And everybody agrees he did the bad thing because you said something, you screwed it up. Like, what are you doing? This, and this is a thing I have with DAs who, like, in general, it is a, pol a politician's job. It is a marketer's job. It is a front-facing job frequently when it should be a tactician's job. It should be a boring person's job. It should, at the very least, be someone's job who can perform in a courtroom. Now, mm -hmm. that's just a surface level gripe and me taking the bait. The true thing to not do is take the bait, wait till she doesn't get, she's probably not gonna get thrown off the case. Um, I think, and, and this isn't gonna be ruined in any way. This is before a lot of the proceedings, um, to my understanding. But like, come on, let's keep mm -hmm. our eye on the prize America. And the people on Trump's side, including Trump, just wanna say stuff like, I don't know, there's, a, there's another scandal now. Please look at that squirrel. When yeah, really, look, this is the one, this is the one trial about the guy stealing democracy from America. That, that we have so far. Obviously, we're expecting someday the January 6th thing will happen, but yes. So look, I agree. And the thing is, like we, we can have a debate about whether we think the allegations are true and the, the testimony is ongoing. Her father testified this morning and and I, based on my, you know, I'm in a bubble, but I think he kind of helped her out by explaining why she would have been paying in cash for these things. It does seem on its face a little bit suspicious, but I think that his argument seemed pretty good. But it just, it makes me so mad. This is the thing we're gonna focus on, which is such small potatoes compared to the stealing of a state. Like it makes me feel like it's like they're investigating the Death Star blowing up Alderaan. And it turns out that the rebel that's investigating it spent too much of his stipend in the cantina on Tatooine. So I guess the emperor gets off. Like, what are you talking about? How that is only ever the way it works for the wealthiest, most powerful people when they're being investigated for something. How is that possibly the way it could work in this case? Even if it led to her being disqualified, put a new lawyer in and speed this thing up. The idea that he should get away with it or any of his other co-conspirators should get away with it is ridiculous to me. Would and it angers me that that's even a consideration. Would you say that it is ridiculous to the max Rebo and they are <laughs> Uh, voraciously <laughs> gobbling up every salacious B crumb. That's exactly how I would say it if I had thought more about it. Yes. <sighs> uh, the anyway. rancor of these people. <laughs> so what could I wait? Hold on. Sarlacc. No, I don't, I don't care who. Anyway, <laughs> I don't care who she's laying with <laughs> at night. Okay. I don't care if Butter she's paired up or if she's Han Solo. I don't care. No, we need to get back on track. It's really fast. I just want to also point out, like, I love that now, now the nation is like someone in the judicial system may have taken trips with money they shouldn't have had. And now that's a thing we care about as a country. When Fonnie Willis went to Napa Valley, or something Belize. with a dude for a bit. It's unbelievable. Yeah. She didn't. Is that a Star Wars? Anyway, um, something something Wookie. 
Clarence Thomas and the others have done it for literally years and years and years and years and years. And Republicans were like, oh, I don't care. But now if Fonnie Willis went to Napa Valley and took the wine train or something, then I guess you get away with trying to overthrow democracy. So funny. It's a stupid system we work with. Chewbacca's a Wookiee, you get away with it. If Chewbacca's a Wookiee, you must acquit. It all works out in the end. Thank you, South Park. Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny has died, according to an announcement from the Russian prison service. If you're not familiar with this figure or why he was in prison, well, he was imprisoned after exposing corruption inside of the the regime, the inner circle of Vladimir Putin, and forming the most effective political movement opposing the Russian leader during the many, many, many years that Putin has been in charge in that country. And I have a lot of thoughts about this. I want to go first to uh, the widow of Alexei Navalny, Yulia Navalny, who had this to say to this tragic news. If it's the truth, I would like Putin, all his staff, everyone around him, his government, his friends. I want them to know that they will be punished for what they have done with our country, with my family and with my husband. They will be brought to justice. And I immediately think of that iconic scene with Tyrion Lannister. Where if you've come looking for justice, you've come to the wrong place. I hope that she's right. I hope that they are brought to justice for what they did with Alexei Navalny and just name another group or individual and opposition figure and all that they have done, the communities that they've suppressed, the the war crimes, the just the absolute looting of the wealth of Russia. But that said, I have basically no faith that there will be any justice for literally any of this. There's been very little reason to believe in the past two, two, three decades that there will be. But before we get into further discussion, I do want to give you details, the little that we know about his death. His team, in anticipation of this, had warned repeatedly that he could be killed in prison and worked to bring international attention to the conditions in which he was being held. They said he'd been denied medical care in multiple instances and that other prisoners had been encouraged to torment him. On Tuesday, in fact, he reported that he had been given 15 days in a punishment cell. He appeared at a court hearing on Thursday and did not appear to be in obvious ill health. And yet, now gone with very little details about exactly how he died, under what conditions. I imagine that just being in any part of a Russian prison is fairly rough. I find it hard to even imagine what their punishment cells must be like, the worst part of a Russian prison. But in case you don't know about the origins of this, I'll give you one last fact. He collapsed on a flight from Siberia to Moscow back in August of 2020. After being transferred to Germany, doctors concluded that he had been poisoned with a Russian nerve agent that the secrets that the security services of Russia have been known to use. He decided to go back to Russia. Um, obviously, as an opposition figure, he is trying to lead some sort of political opposition and was incredibly brave to go back to that country. However, he was uh, arrested, he has been held for some time, and now his life has uh, been lost. And perhaps we'll learn more, Brett, perhaps we'll never learn more. What do you think? Um, I feel like 
God is on Putin's side because all of his opposition ends up dead. Smited all as seemingly by, because I don't have a, you know, I until we get that uh, awesome justice system in Russia working, I will reserve my judgment as to whether this latest opposition figure for Putin, who was poisoned or uh, potentially poisoned, died. He wasn't thrown out a window, so it's not always a pattern. Um, so uh, until then, I will reserve my judgment and say, uh, reserve the possibility that it might be divine intervention mm -hmm. um, and a bunch of coincidences. Uh, the thing that jumps to mind, obviously, is like right now, and I know we're going to talk about this in a second, but but um, Tucker Carlson is there now saying, yeah. this place rocks, bro. You can see in the chat, as soon as I heard the news that Alexei Navalny, the Russian opposition figure, had died, I immediately thought of this. You didn't talk about freedom of speech in, in Russia. You did not talk <laughs> about Navalny, about assassinations, about, about the restrictions on uh, opposition in the coming uh, elections. I didn't talk about the things that every other American media outlet talks about. Why? Yes, this because is my those question. are covered. And because I have spent my life talking to people who run countries in various countries and have mm. concluded the following, that every leader kills people, including my leader. Every leader kills people. Some kill more than others. Leadership requires killing people. Sorry. And you know, I, I think maybe we can set aside the idea that uh, I don't have to talk about all that stuff that would require hard questions because other people talked about it, even though I'm the one sitting in the room with the guy. And I specifically said, no one else even tried to do this. I'm in a unique position that I will not use to challenge his power in literally any way. But just I, look, I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in divine intervention, but it almost lines up too good that he says a couple days ago, does it really matter if we kill people? Leaders kill people, you assassinate people, it doesn't matter. The important thing is if there's nice architecture in the capital, if bread is cheap, I guess. It doesn't matter if you if you take away people's rights, you literally murder them in the streets, as long as you have that stuff. And then literally while he's there doing propaganda for the Russian government, Navalny dies. Navalny who's been this iconic figure, like a symbol of the, uh, the crimes of Vladimir Putin. Uh, and and he dies exactly at that time. Right? It just it seems too perfect in this context of this horrible tragedy that Tucker is there. And of course, Tucker is not going to realize that he's gone down a dark path. He knows what he's doing and what his goal is. Everything that he is saying is designed to get an American domestic audience to be okay with the idea of tyrannical rule here, with the idea that it doesn't matter what the leader does, who they kill. You don't want crime, right? And you want cheap bread, you know, just shut up and accept it. That's what all of this tour is designed to accomplish. Right. Like the, the acceptable version of what uh, Tucker almost said is listen, everybody's covered it. Fine. I get that. Um, and he would, Tucker could say, and that I'd understand, is like, what if, what is, if I ask him that question, what do you think he's going to say? Oh, I did it. Ah, oh, finally someone's here and asked me the question. And now I'm there. No. Tucker is definitely like terrified because he's a big old wimpy. 
He's lying about why he's there in the first place. And we all know the reason that he goes to Russia is what you're saying. Like he just wants people to slowly come around on a dictatorship. There's this weird, you know, there's no um, consistency in any of their positions. Uh, and, and he just is literally making excuses for, for um, Putin killing people. The, the, you have to kill people, guys. Like I understand that when it comes to we're in the middle of a war for you know any specific military initiative, people may die. Mm -hmm. There's risk involved in that. Like I can come around on plenty of applications of that. But this is no, I just have to kill the guy who's running against me. Yeah. That's, that's not a, that, that was what he was responding. He was not responding to a question about war. He was responding to a question about killing your political opponents. Yeah, you don't have to do. I hate to keep power. You have to do that, not to protect Russia. You don't have to do that. Yeah. Well, I will also say, look, I don't like Tucker. I don't agree with a lot that he says, but I do feel a little bit better coming out of this because honestly, I was very worried about the 2024 election. Seems like a bit of a coin flip, but Biden should just kill Trump, according to Tucker Carlson. He's the leader. Sometimes leaders have to kill people. You can't let this guy just come in and take your power. So you just kill him. That's that's what you do, you know. And Biden probably isn't going to do that. Maybe we need someone tougher or something, you know, like like maybe like a president AOC just rounds up all right wing pundits and kills them because suppression of press is okay. That's what leaders do, according to Tucker Carlson. And uh, you have to kill you. Sometimes you kill people, according to Tucker Carlson. Now, of course, he knows that no Democrat, no leftist is ever going to do that. All he's trying to do is get Republicans to be okay with it. All of this, I can just see this in the future. The idea that Tucker Carlson is looking forward to is we have a Trump or someone even worse, or maybe a Tucker Carlson as president. You go to Fox News and they're broadcasting people being lined up against a wall and being gunned down. And they want the person viewing it to be like, mm, and then just go back to watching Hulu or whatever. That's what they want. That is the goal. Yeah. Be okay with the horrors that we are cruising towards. And it should be, you just, it shouldn't bother you at all. That is what he is working to. He doesn't care about Russia. He's not moving to Russia or whatever. This is his eyes are facing towards America and towards the horrors that he is perfectly happy with coming to our borders. But anyway, um, we're talking about, you know, we're obviously worked up. I think a lot of people are worked up over stuff having to do with Russia recently, with Donald Trump saying they can invade Eastern Europe and everything. And some people think that this might be an avenue to attack Donald Trump. So let's run this ad. Привет, моя куколка. Putin's puppet is back with a vengeance. And Republicans are marching in lockstep, following orders to strangle the freedom fighters in Ukraine, threatening to break the NATO alliance that's kept the West safe, and encouraging Putin to invade our European allies. I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. Just ask the people of Poland, Finland, and the Baltics, whose borders are already under assault from Russia, whether they trust Putin the way Trump does. Ask the parents of American service members if they're ready to sacrifice their kids' lives for Trump's weakness. Whatever happened to Republicans standing up for freedom? Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Whatever happened to Republicans standing up for America? Peace through strength works. Now it's appeasement through surrender and blind loyalty to a Russian dictator and his puppet in chief. 
So that ad was released by uh, Vote Vets, a veteran, uh, 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 like a veteran focused pack, basically. And it's a tough ad. It's got some characteristics that I don't always love in ads with the, the way that you colored things and you make it really dark and everything. But it's not like they don't have a point. Donald Trump is fresh off saying uh, that he's okay with our allies being invaded if they don't pay up. And he had previously said that. He was asked about it. He doubled down earlier this week. So, you know, with everything that's going on, Brett, I, I, I don't know if it's 100% a fair ad. It's a little bit on the long side, but it's tough. And I don't know how effective, though, it'll be. What, what do you make of the, the politics of that? I don't know. I don't know anyone who's going to be like, uh, like, I think the knowledge that the most useful point of that message wise is the part where Trump says, yes, he should invade NATO countries. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. No, nobody, no one in their lit, like, no armchair politico is sitting there fully understanding in America right now the entire like prevailing developing alliances economically with countries and their driving strategies, right? Like, well, this, they're, Putin's gonna do things throughout history, empires have risen and fallen and found allies. Like, people don't know this, but like, during World War II, the USSR was like, yeah, Germany, we'll be chill with you. We'll join the Axis. Is that cool? And there was a dispute over how much trouble, how much power Germany would have in that. Like, people find alliances to do what's best for their country, right? And they're very difficult. Like, everybody oversimplifies what goes into that. China's right now just like gobbling up trade with Russia to stabilize the Russian economy more than anybody thought that they would be able to. Mm -hmm. Like Donald Trump does not understand any of that, I guarantee you. And Putin, China, they all know it, they all see it. He's not a puppet because he's doing what Putin told him to do. He's a self-serving opportunist and other countries know that. In the yeah. meantime, the Democrats have gotten really, really terrible at saying, we're gonna protect your jabs. <laughs> and Trump has gobbled that up and gone non-interventionist in ways that really hurt the cause. Yeah. So there's failures on all sides. Donald Trump's incompetent and it doesn't benefit America in literally any way. Yeah, the, the end result of whether which of these worlds is true, that he's a puppet or that he's a self-serving guy who in pursuing his own selfish, corrupt aims acts like you would expect a puppet to. I don't know that it necessarily matters, but but just for the record, I largely agree. I, I, don't, I don't have to believe that he's being blackmailed. I don't have to believe that he's selling classified documents to Russia or whatever. Uh, what I can focus on is what he is actually advocating for, what he's saying and what his side of the spectrum is saying how they have been doing the work of PR for the autocratic leadership of Russia for years now at this point. Um, at a certain point, these designations of whether you're a puppet or not don't really matter, except insofar as they annoy Donald Trump, which I know this one will. So that's good. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think just to be you know, clear on the record, I, I do agree. So do you believe that Comer had any reason to believe that this was all false and ignored it? Oh, well, that's a great question, Abby. In fact, I'll ask it a different way. 
When did James Comer know this was false? And how long did he conceal that from the American people? I mean, are you telling me he just found out through the indictment or has he known all along, or at least for a period of time, that this 1023 form was made up? Those are real questions we need to get to the bottom to. Do you have any evidence that he knew in advance that this was not a, a legit informant? No, no, look, I don't have any evidence of that. But you know, Abby, you know what they like to do. Some people are saying perhaps, maybe it's the Bidens. I mean, I don't know what James knows or doesn't know, but he should tell the American people. When did he find out that this 1023 form was a lie? When did he find out that his informant was lying to the American people and they were still using that information? I'd like to know. I think James has to answer that to the American people. I think those are some fascinating questions and they have to do with the revelation this week that the FBI informant who basically formed to the extent that there was anything about the Bidens, about Hunter Biden, Ukraine, Burisma payments. It was based off of what this FBI informant had alleged to be able to say about those topics. It turns out now, apparently a bit of a liar, kind of making up that information, which is certainly bad news for the case to impeach Joe Biden or lock up Hunter Biden over something having to do with Ukraine. And might in fact be bad news for Comer as well, if it is shown that he knew that there was nothing to what this guy was saying. Now, as is alluded to in that video, there's no evidence yet of when we found out about this. So I will wait you know, before making any further judgment on Comer. But we do know that in terms of the, the facts, there apparently wasn't anything there. And so apparently according to this new indictment that's revealed this information, Alexander Smirnov, the informant in this case's statements about the Bidens were untrue. That includes statements about them having apparently back in June 2020 that officials with the Ukrainian energy company Burisma paid the Bidens $5 million each in either 2015 or 2016. And it's important that you know, if you haven't been following this, that Smirnov's claims were touted as damning evidence, both in the Senate with Chuck Grassley and James Comer in the House. That has been the sort of bedrock of the nearly year-long investigation by the House Oversight Committee. And perhaps even more so than elected Republicans in the media, there's some crossover as we'll get to, they have really thought there was something here with this informant. So this is Ted Cruz, a guy who would really prefer to be in entertainment than an elected office. Each of these social media posts is a different podcast he did about that informant's revelations over and over and over again. And honestly, compared to Fox News, that's nothing. They could not stop talking about this guy. Sean Hannity was constantly going on about him, Jesse Waters as well. And so what you might think that the revelation that the guy's apparently a big liar and there was nothing there would be big news for Fox as well. But if you can actually make out, let's put up those graphics again. Those are screenshots from throughout the hours of Laura Ingram, Jesse Waters and Sean Hannity's shows last night. And uh, they just weren't able to find time to talk about it. You know, they had Fonnie Willis to talk about and you know, you got to fit in some time with Kellyanne Conway. So, you know, the fact that we hyped this guy up for a couple of years, it's just not worth actually mentioning. Only Brett Baer, by the way, actually pointed out that it's been revealed that this guy apparently lied. And in that, it was a transition to a quote from James Comer, who's like, to be clear, the impeachment inquiry is not reliant on the document that that guy provided. It's based on a large record of evidence, including bank records and witness testimony, revealing that Joe Biden, blah, 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 blah. So this guy that we've been talking about and hyping up for literally years, 
I don't even care about that guy. I was never impressed with him. But we have other stuff, don't worry. And it'll come someday. Brett, what do you think? Like dating back to the beginning of their like, we have an FBI document. Like the central document that at the beginning of all this they were referring to was the fact that someone took a tip. Like Someone at the FBI was like, all right, somebody said this weird stuff happened. So now there's a document. They're like, there's a document indicating that Donald Trump or that Joe Biden took $5 million. It's like, no, that that's like when I worked as a talent agent assistant, you just have to write down who called and what they said. <laughs> that's the document. And then this, they'll never reveal that they are totally aware of how off base it was. And they're just going to continue with it because all it's, I mean, no one's here is concerned about the truth. They just want to have something to say when Donald Trump gets in trouble to distract everybody from that fact. Yeah. And so they're like, Burisma, there's an FBI informant. They're not going to, they're not going to correct their record at all. Yeah. 100%. It's, it's all so much of this is just driven by. Donald Trump did a thing. Okay, I guess we'll go looking to find something that seems to uh, make it acceptable. Uh, and I'm just, I'm sick of that. By the way, I, I learned from the sidebar graphic of that first video we played you, uh, you that they were going to be having last night on uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson to talk about Russia's new space-based nuclear weapons. Is that his area of expertise? Space nukes? I guess. He's a good communicator, I suppose. If you thought that Ron DeSantis, now that he's no longer running for president and he's gone back to Florida, which he's totally happy about, he loves it there, was gonna stop being awkward, stop being weird, maybe get back into his groove of being this anti-woke gladiator. Well, maybe not so much because in an interesting way, he is kind of backtracking on one of his core issues, which has to do with the need to ban a whole bunch of books that he doesn't like. Take a look at this. With objecting, like if you go to a school board meeting objecting, if you have a kid in school, okay. But if, you, if you're somebody who doesn't have a kid in school and you're going to object to 100 books, no, I don't think that that's appropriate. So I think the legislature is interested in limiting what the number of, of challenges you can do and maybe making it be contingent on whether you actually have kids in school or not. Uh, we just want to make sure that we're not trying to incentivize uh, frivolous objections or any type of games being played. And now I want you to hold because in a moment we're gonna get to a video of him being like in a very funny fashion mocked by a journalist on something that Donald Trump is gonna get some delight out of. But you might think, well, why are, why are you not happy? I mean, after all, it seems like they wanna dial back a bit of the challenging these books and getting rid of them. Well, yeah, that's, that's a good thing, but there's two reasons why I'm not suddenly cheering for him. One, oh, he didn't know that people were gonna abuse this system that they set up. It's just, it totally bamboozled them that a whole bunch of disingenuous people use this to ban a bunch of books they didn't like. So I don't buy that. But then also, I wonder to what extent this isn't about protecting the sorts of books that we've been talking about that those disingenuous people are trying to get rid of. But they're just like the stunts of like them banning the Bible. Like a leftist will say, well, the Bible's got violence in it. And they realize that, you know, what's good for the fascist goose is good for the gander. Brett, do your version again if you want. Um, and maybe they're trying to ward that off. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hard at him, Brett. What do you think?
You can have what's good for the goose stepper is good for the gander. It no, is yours. It's or you can yours. say it on your show at least as long as you tell everyone I'm the best. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this is this is the simple thing to know. Ron DeSantis doesn't mean any of it. He has no morals. He's got no principles. He's always just already running for the next presidential opportunity. Yeah. He revealed that everything he did in the lead up to this election, he thought would get him past Donald Trump. It was a perfect calculation to be the guy who bans the books. And he lost and he's he can't keep running for this go around. He's running for next go around. And even Gavin Newsom is drawing a line in the sand between him and mm -hmm. the things that the left gets made fun of for. Assuming that it is going to be a true moderate back to normal election the next time around. Yeah. Uh he you know Gavin Newsom went on Bill Maher and was like they got all these these initials DEI IDE AD whatever and we, we just <laughs> we just want people to be respected for who they are. And yeah. they're all doing that because they that's where they think the puck is going so they're skating to it. Yeah. Yeah, well look, I am already looking forward to him failing the next go around, but I'm going to focus for now on this one where there's still fallout from his first presidential campaign. So let's jump to this last video. Yes. Uh, Governor DeSantis, you have uh, been looking out to the woke agenda of gender fluidity and also come out against gender affirming care. So I was hoping you could square your opposition to gender affirming care and people choosing their own gender identity with your frequent wearing of lists and you hoping to choose your own height identity. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> Next. Yep, yep. So look, that was very funny. The wearing of lifts is 100% gender affirming care for him. His reaction honestly had showed a little bit more emotional intelligence than I would have expected out of him. He laughed it off, he moved on. I would have expected something even more awkward. Um, that said, if he ever runs again for president, those sorts of comments are gonna come back. So enjoy, I guess, while you can when it's not that consequential, Ron DeSantis. Anyway, that is unfortunately all the time we have for the first hour of the show. Lots more to come in the aftermath though. So if you're watching live on YouTube or Twitch, don't go anywhere. Brett and I will be back after this.